This week's sponsor is EDD Bookings. EDD Bookings is the appointment bookings extension for easy digital downloads. Accept bookings online for consultations and lessons. Rent out venues for hours, days, or weeks at a time, or have clients book doctor's appointments online. EDD Bookings saves you time and money while providing your clients with a clean and simple booking process. Get it from eddbookings.com. Hello everyone, this is Jean Galea making a return for Mastermind.fm. This is an interview with Kevin Maldon all the way from Scotland. For those who don't know Kevin, he's a veteran of the WordPress space and he's now also involved in other projects such as tech reviews on YouTube and also crypto. And we'll be touching on all these topics and some more in this episode and hopefully I will get Kevin again with us in another project to dig a bit deeper in some of these topics such as crypto because I find that very interesting. So without further ado, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. To start off, I know this is a WordPress-related podcast. Many of our episodes are related to WordPress, so I want to just have a brief overview for all the listeners about your journey with WordPress. And uh, then following that, we'll talk about the stuff you're doing now, basically. But just give them a bit of a background of how you got started online and then WordPress and all that. I've been working online I well since 2000, so like 19 years, but mm -hmm. I started making enough money to, to be self-employed by it, I think around 2004. But WordPress, I think most people that were building websites around that time, I initially started making websites with Notepad, and then I would use a text editor. And then I realized that, you, you know, I was using PHP commands for headers and footers, which was amazing because I used to update yeah. every file <laughs> manually. So I kind of migrated towards content management systems. I tried a lot of them at the time. I tried WordPress at the time. And to be honest, the first year or so of its existence, WordPress didn't really stand out from the crowd. It really didn't. But, you know, I, I was using a few different ones, PHP Nook. I used for a blog, a travel blog when I was traveling, I used Serendipity. But then I went back to WordPress and within the space of a few years, it really you know, improved. There was all these plugins, there was all these themes. You know, I don't know if it was just the work that Matt and, and the rest of the people were doing, but a lot of the other projects stood still and they were taking it forward. And I really do think the the plugin, you know, the plugins is really what made WordPress stand out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I built a few websites with WordPress and before I knew it, every single website that I built, every content website was with WordPress. And then I started blogging about it. I started writing about it. And I think a lot of people like yourself as well, that's how you get involved in WordPress. You, you build a website with it, you realize how much time it saves you, and then you know you start you know, developing it. It's very very different to, I think, the first, first WordPress <laughs> blog. Um, I think the first one was 2005, 2006, but it wasn't like active. It was actually for a, a gambling forum that I had. Mm -hmm. And I think I was updating it every few weeks. But when I, I launched Blogging Tips, I launched a website called bloggingtips.com 2007. I started giving tips and learning more about it and doing plugin reviews and theme reviews. And, you know, the market is so different to what it was then. I, I know you were involved in WordPress back then as well. And 
I think Studio Press is one of the first websites to, that actually charge money for themes, and this was a new thing. Mm-hmm. I remember discussions, people were like, I'm not paying for themes, that's ridiculous, they should be free. Yeah. But in hindsight, it was probably one of the best things that happened to WordPress because back then people were working for donations, yeah. which is insane, you know. But WordPress today is night and day, you know, what it was back then, and now it powers not just content websites, but shops and some forums as well and all these other websites you'd never have thought that they would be powered by a content management system yeah what i love about you is that we have a lot of things in common and how it started off and i think the way we pursue projects but so that's what also was my experience and i started traveling i actually went to the uk then i was blogging about my experience and living in love run the uk and I started with Blogger and then moved on to Joomla, but I wanted something more blogging specific. So I switched to WordPress and then started getting requests from clients to develop websites. And WordPress was by far the best user interface compared to Joomla for them. Yeah. So I stuck with WordPress. I think there's a lot of website design companies that stick with Joomla and Drupal. You know, there's aspects of it I like, but I always found there just wasn't enough plugins, there wasn't enough themes. Yeah. And, in, and the ones you found, they just weren't updated enough. I don't know if that was the same for you. WordPress, I think, did a very great job of selling the dream to people that they could make money yeah. online. <laughs> yeah. For some yeah. reason, with Joomla and Drupal, I never got the feeling that I could be like, fulfill my dream of location, independence, travel while making money. And WordPress, for some reason, had a very clear path to making money online, either by doing websites for people. I remember getting jobs from people in Australia. For me, it was mind-blowing, you know, coming from a small island, getting these little jobs from people in the US or Australia or UK. This can really work, you know, making money online. Then came the opportunity to make plugins, to actually run a blog explaining how you can do stuff with WordPress, getting affiliates. And that's also something that we have in common. We both run a, a blog about WordPress. So tell us more about that. As far as a blog about WordPress? Yeah. Well, I sold bloggingtips.com mm-hmm. in 2010. By that point, I already had, I'd basically you know, spent a month or so doing plans for my next uh, website, which was wpmods.com. Yeah. In fact, I think when I launched, I had, prepared about three months worth of articles before I launched because I knew that I wanted to spend time focusing on marketing and all that. Plus, you know, the the reason I sold blogging tips was because I get so bored about talking about blogging. (laughs) You know, I'd I'd managed it for three. There's only so many things you can talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I launched a dedicated blog about WordPress and yeah, I ran that for a few years and I published another few thousand articles on that. Um, I think when the two of us got involved and launched WordPress blogs, there was a couple out there yeah, there was WP Candy, which was the biggest, I think. Yeah, there was. A, I think did that launch before us or after us? That may have been after us. In my case, before I launched, then WP Candy was uh, the news website which post status guy Brian uh, was involved in, and there was another yeah. guy running it. I forgot his name, and then it just disappeared into thin air some years later. But that was quite big at the time. In 2010, at least. Right. One of the things, you know, at that time, I think there was about four or five good WordPress blogs, and hopefully my, my blog was was one of those. Yeah. By the time as well, and, you know, this is something that's, that annoyed me at the time, was 
within the, the WordPress uh, admin area, they would um, post the latest updates from WordPress blogs, but they only did it from the blogs which they purchased. Yeah. And those blogs, well, at the time, were, were poor. You know, there was the one web tools collection, all it did was say these plugins were released this week. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. And there was all these other articles. And they, they actually had a form that says, submit your blog to be listed mm -hmm. here and then never listed anyone's blog. <laughs> it was kind of bizarre. But yeah, I mean, there was about four or five blogs. But I mean, fast forward a few years, I mean, you could go as far as saying the market's saturated with them. Mm -hmm. Now, changes in search engines change things. You know, I think the articles now are more, less 500 to 1,000 words and they're more mm -hmm. 2,000, 3,000 words and all that. But yeah, it's funny how like Google and what's happening in the search engine world always influences what's happening in, happening in the content world. Yeah. And I saw a lot of really, I'm not going to pick out names, but I saw a lot of bad websites rise to the top of search engine rankings and a lot of good ones with really good articles not getting the traffic they deserve, mm. um, which is why perhaps why a lot of people maybe moved away from blogs as well. Talking about WP Candy, there was a, I think that was a news blog, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, I think um, no one has been able to make money from a WordPress news blog. It just doesn't seem to be any money in mm. it. They're just you know because the, the amount of time and energy it takes to maintain a blog and, and write all these articles, and yeah, you know the only people that are actually following it are WordPress users. I think Brian Krugsgaard's model with post status is probably the only one that can make money. And I think it just supports himself at the at the moment. Yeah. So you can say it makes money. WP Tavern is, as far as I know, supported by Automatic because Matt yeah. purchased it a while back. So he just pays the two editors a salary. And the rest are not really news sites as such. Yeah, I always found out. I mean, the problem with WP Tavern, you know, it was one of those things. I think Matt came out at the time and he said he didn't want the blog to die. But the blog was never listed for sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It was never officially listed for sale. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think it was the right move for, for them to do that because they snapped up a couple of WordPress blogs. And now you've got, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be impartial, but how impartial can it be when you're paid by the company that you, you know, we really need more blogs that are criticizing WordPress and, and what they're doing. Mm. Not that I've got anything against Matt or the team, and I think WP Tavern is a fantastic blog. But I just you know that that's like Google. If there's a blog and a top SEO blog, and then it gets bought over by Google, and then they say, no, no, you know, it's going to be impartial, and you're like, no, <laughs> it has to be separate. I don't think it's been a major problem though, yeah. because again, if WordPress news blogs can't be monetized well, you know, and we still need news, we still need updates. So, yeah. Well, what I also think is that, at least as far as I'm concerned, I'm not as into WordPress news as before. I think WordPress has gotten to a size where the news isn't really that important anymore. I think WordPress in our earlier days was more of a, a project where you are really a fan of the project, kind of like crypto nowadays. You know, you're a fan of yeah. Bitcoin. You wake up, you want news about Bitcoin. Yeah, and uh, so and there's a lot of competition with the other CMSs, so people were really being like fanboys, you know, of this project. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of more eagerness for news, I think. And nowadays, news is more for people who are developers and want to just keep current, you know. But there isn't much of like that fanaticism, I think. Yeah, well, that's a really good point because I think if you think about it, 
at the start, there was a lot of innovation. If you look at the earlier versions and even just looking at screenshots mm -hmm. from 2003, I think it launched to see 2010, like every year it was different. It was yeah. more, you know, with so many new changes and features. But you know what? I, I mean, I still maintain WordPress blogs, but I'm not following news all the time. But I know that if I log into my WordPress website, not a lot has changed over the last mm -hmm. few years. You know, yeah. apart from, you know, things in the background, every year they're refining it. That's where they're doing the refining it. And over the last year or so, they've been talking about Gutenberg, you know, the, the drag and drop page builder. But apart from that, you know, the only thing I think they've done over the last few years, I guess you could criticize WordPress for, is it's a little bit too bloated. Yeah. What was the one a few years ago, that new blog software that came out? Um, Ghost. Ghost. You know, Ghost, it didn't do everything that it did. But if you think about it from a blogging point of view, you just want to, you know, write your articles and publish it. Very simplified, very minimal um, way of doing it. But you go into WordPress now and even a basic website, even with a minimal design, you need security plugins, you need cache plugins, you need all these different things. And fine, you do need this for a, for a WordPress website, but you take a step back and you go, listen, I'm spending more time doing this than I am actually writing my content. Yeah. And I, I realize that obviously you've got all these managed WordPress services, which generally speaking, I think are overpriced for what they provide. But mm -hmm. I think that I didn't realize WordPress was bloated until Ghost came along. And I'm like, wow, they've really simplified this. They've really gone back to the roots. Uh, and and I, I mean, I guess it was a reminder that WordPress isn't really a blogging script anymore. It's a content management script that can do blogging. Yeah, I think the problem nowadays with WordPress is that it's lost a bit of its coolness factor and identity. Before it was the best blogging bar none, the best blogging system. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Nowadays, you've got Squarespace and Wix if you want to start a website. Yeah. You've got Shopify if you want e-commerce. Like these are the one second names that come to mind, you know? And before it was just WordPress. Nowadays, I guess people still use WordPress, but it's not that sexy as it was before. And I think the Gutenberg move as a way to bring back that uh, vibe into WordPress. I almost feel that, yeah, I mean, I guess it's lost a little bit of its cool factor. I still think that it's, it's the most versatile, it's the most functional script out there as yeah, far as you sure. know, all the plugins, all the themes. But there's a lot of things they've done that just haven't been implemented in the way, like one of the best things they did was the, um, what do you call it again? The, see all the different post options. You've got videos, you've got images, you've got audio yeah. and all this. Custom post types. Uh, the custom post types, right? Oh no, those those are the official post types, aren't they? What's the customs is when you set up your own? What's the, um, I can Google this. I should know this. I've yeah. wrote enough articles about <laughs> this. Um, post status, is it? Is that it? No, I'm getting mixed up now. It's the one that's like images, video. What's the, what's the word for that again? You always get brain freeze when you're doing an interview. This is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, I know for sure that the biggest uh, revolution was when custom post types came along. Yeah. Transformed it from a blogging platform into a CMS platform. I think I haven't felt that same excitement since, to be honest, about WordPress. Just keep getting bloated, more bloated and bloated yeah. over time. Let's see now with Gutenberg what will happen, you know, because I think it's a clear move to go after Wix and Squarespace. And if they manage to pull it off, it's a good move, I think. Well, 
that thing that I can't remember where it's got videos, quotes, there's eight official ones. Is it post formats or post statuses or something post like formats, that? Post formats, yeah. Post formats, right. I've got there in the end. I think that's one of the best things that they've implemented in WordPress over the last 10 years. But the problem is it hasn't really got support. Yeah. And this is the thing. If they add features and then it's not supported by theme developers or plugin developers, there's a few ones out there like dedicated blogging themes that have support for post formats that will say, hey, you can integrate videos and all that. You can integrate audio. But it doesn't really have widespread acceptance in the WordPress community. And I noticed that as well. When I started getting into video with YouTube, and I'm sure you're the same with podcasts, ideally you should be able to post a video in the same way that you post an article and keep it mm -hmm. simple. But it's not. You really have to build like a blog post around it. And there are some themes that are, you know, if I wanted to integrate videos into my website, I'd have to really buy a video theme rather than it being an option for all themes. But again, this is because it's so versatile. It's a master of everything. Yeah. In fact, we've had people using our plugin, RSS aggregator, to build a YouTube video website. So that's because it facilitates the creation of posts yep. based on the feed itself. But yeah, you do always need some kind of plugin or integration, which is fine because it, I think it's the most versatile system around. But I don't think it's attracting new beginner users like it did a few years back. I think they no, tend to gravitate towards Squarespace, Wix. Or it also must be said that the younger generation don't even have an interest in blogging. Mostly they're using Instagram, YouTube, yeah, whatever, you know? One of the most ridiculous things for me is to read posts on Instagram and have many influencers refer to their Instagram account as a blog. Yeah. And then you see this, like, it's very hard to read yeah, for yeah. me. I guess for, for the younger generation, a whole blog post is hard to read. But I think they're using Instagram for something that uh, wasn't really its purpose. But hey, that's where the people are. So, But, that, but that's a fair point because... You know, WordPress has embraced social media, but it it just doesn't work in the same way as Instagram and Twitter and all that does as far as updates and that goes. I mean, you've got the subscription option in WordPress now through Jetpack. Um, Jetpack's a different story altogether as far as, you know, what they're doing with that. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I'm not going to say I'm more critical of WordPress now, but as time goes by, I do feel that, like like we were saying, the first few years, it was really innovative. It was really pushing forward. And it does feel a little bit, yes, they're refining a product that's amazing, but perhaps they're standing still in a lot of areas where everyone else is shooting forward. Mm -hmm. I also think that people are not as concerned as we were about owning their own content. Like for me, it's uh, insane to just put stuff on Facebook, on Instagram without owning it. But people nowadays prefer to give up ownership in favor of not having to mess around with updates, HTML hacks and all this stuff, you know, that you have to do with WordPress. And that's, that's a reality. I can see the benefit to that. That was something I was always hesitant about as well with YouTube, because at the end of the day, they can just delete your website. I mean, look what happened with Alex Jones recently. I don't agree with anything that guy says at all, but banning him from Facebook and YouTube and all that, well, it raises a lot of questions as to who owns the content and mm -hmm. really should you be building any foundations on a platform that can just delete your account. Yeah. But that's the way the market is. And the thing, you know, the, the reason I went to YouTube is simply because that's where the content is, that's where the traffic is. It's very hard to build a blog now and get 
traffic. If I published a long 4,000 word article in 2007, I would have been guaranteed thousands upon thousands of visitors. Yeah. We've generated a lot of traffic. The same article today, nothing. You know, I'd be lucky if I get 50 visitors. Maybe that's a criticism of my own blog and the fact that, I've, you know, I'm not updating it as much. But the way, you know, search engines have, I know I'm going out a little bit off topic here, but I do think that search engines and the way that they've reacted to social media have really changed the landscape as far as content goes. One of the examples I can use is, you know, we know that social media shares a ranking factor in any kind of, you know, any website, any website article. Yeah. But anytime you do a search for any article now, the top it's the same websites that appear at the top. This really hit home with me a few years ago. I searched for something and it came up Mashable. That was it Peter Cashman, a fellow Scott that actually launched that. And it start, Mashable started off as a really good website, a really good blog, but then it just became a content farm. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing one of the articles which was top of the rankings of a really good keyword. And it was basically someone saying, check out this video, and then embedded a YouTube video and it had, it was like in like 50,000 shares. Mm -hmm. It was insane because what they do is rather than just share the video, they embed it into a blog post. They share the blog post on Twitter and Facebook with 5, 10, 15 million people because their social media presence is so high. Yeah. Because of that, because of their presence, they can literally embed a video with one sentence, not even two sentences, one sentence or two, you know, and they can get to the top of the rankings and generate huge amounts of page impressions and money in front of the guy who might have a small WordPress blog and he spent four days writing a, an in-depth article. Yeah, It's quite depressing that that is the situation, but it is, that is the environment that you're in. Um, it's very hard to compete against content farms that are publishing 40, 50 articles a day. It really is. Yeah, that's for sure. I think uh, it's not all niches, but definitely and like online marketing and stuff that the big sites like Mashable do. I mean, even in WordPress itself, I feel that as well in the WordPress blogging space that it's hard to compete. Like if I had to start a new blog about WordPress now, I wouldn't even bother, you know? Yeah. Because the bigger ones have so much clout and the snowballing effect that you'll never be able to compete. Then there are other areas, for example, Paddle, which is the sport I'm playing at the moment, has almost nothing, no content online in terms of websites or blogs, mostly because it's been focused solely in Spanish. So all the content is in Spanish. So I'm having moderate success writing articles in English, and hopefully I'll be able to build a resource site about Paddle that will become the reference point for in the years to come. But this is kind of what uh, the WordPress state was in maybe 2008. Yeah. It's analogous to Paddle now in English, at least. So there, there are niches where blogging still has a presence. But I'm definitely seeing much more people. Also, you know, they spend more time on their phones rather than their laptops or PCs, you know. So that's also, I think, a huge factor and this shift towards applications for social networks. You know, people prefer just clicking a button, accessing Facebook or Instagram and having all the content there rather than using a browser. Yeah. It's easier. And if it's a browser, it's through a tablet or it's through a phone and it's, you know, I always like tablets and phones are good for what they are, but they're not productive devices for me. You know, you need a keyboard and mm -hmm. to actually produce something. 
two of us have been online roughly the same amount of time. And I think the longer that I'm in this game, the more I realize that these things go through in waves. And one of the main criticisms that I have of myself is that I've always been slow to adapt. I think one of the, you know, I was in gambling, the gambling industry for a few years. I got, I got out there roughly around the right time. Mm-hmm. But for blogging, I think I go blogging a little bit too late. And for some other things, I think, you know, I hung on to websites a little bit too long. For example, I've still got some discussion forums. When I started online, discussion forums were everywhere. Yeah, They were so popular. But Facebook and all these other social media things killed discussion forums. There are some niche discussion forums that are huge. They still make a lot of money. But it is impossible you know, it's just a forum. It just isn't the same as it was before. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a long time to recognize things like that where I was developing websites and by the time I get to the point where it's starting to do well, but I'm, I'm way behind the curve, you know, and it's the same with content websites, the same with forums. I think that even with YouTube, I've started doing YouTube. I thought about doing it right at the very start and I thought, you know, I'd rather own my content and all this kind of thing. Now I've got it on video is, you know, if I jumped into video a little bit earlier, I think it would have got a lot more traffic, raised my profile and all that. And now I've got more competition to fight against as far as YouTube goes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in our field is a little bit like that, though. It is hard to see what's happening in your own industry when you're in that bubble and the only people you're talking to are in your own industry. And it's hard to see what's happening until it's too late. And I noticed that, you know, with my blogs, with, you know, I had a few different blogs. I came to a point where I realized I was doing twice as much work and I, I wasn't even standing still, like my traffic was going down. And I think it's right that we should own our content, that we should have everything on our own website and own assets, essentially. But that's forgetting the fact that we still have to play by Google's rules. Yeah. And you can own all that content, but if someone, you know, if a search engine like Bing or Google isn't going to send traffic your way, you're kind of lost and you're falling behind. Yeah. But maybe I'm being a little bit cynical here. <laughs> I don't know. And but feeding off this point, what I love about you also is that you kind of done you've done a lot of different things in your career, kind of. And this is something that I feel about me as well. I kind of maybe it's not the same case for you, but I kind of get bored of things or more importantly, I get interested in many things. Yeah, And I love to move on after three, four years. I want to do something new. And it's mainly a means of learning something new. Yeah. And I've seen this in a lot of your content. You seem to always be learning about something, hardware or crypto, and then posting about it. The same with WordPress, I think. And the forums itself, I think it's you had the martial arts forum, right? Yeah. I've still got a few of them. I need to sell them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get them listed on Flipper. Well, that's because you are doing martial arts yourself, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't in the last year or so. I injured my lower, the problem my lower back. Uh-huh. But at the time, yes, it was. You know, it's a very good point you make there, though, because I've always thought that you have to follow your passion online, and yeah. if you don't, you you become very bored very quickly. But you're right because I think, yeah, we probably get a similar kind of minds. You know, when you become interested in a new subject. You're like a sponge, you're reading books, you're mm-hmm. reading articles, you're watching videos, you want to learn as much as you can. And this passion and this interest transfers over to your content, to your articles, to your videos or whatever you're doing, podcasts even. But 
there becomes a point where you've said everything that you want to say, you know everything that you need to know, and you've reached this point where you you know you've, you've almost reached saturation point. You don't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm sure you did that as well. There came a point I was sick about writing about blogging. There came a point where I was not that I'm sick about writing about WordPress, but you know, after a while you realize I've talked about this so many times and you go on autopilot and you realize you're doing it more for the money than the enjoyment. Mm. And yes, I want to make money, but it's important for me to enjoy what I do. If not, I'm as well just going working in an office job. If I'm, you know, if I'm bored doing what I do every day, mm. why not just get air quotes a real job? Let me ask you something though. So I'm kind of the same, you know, I've moved on. Like right now, most of my time is spent on my blog, actually, and also pursuing my paddle career. Also, I still have the plugin business going and the blog business. I sometimes feel uh, guilty of uh, of neglecting uh, the WordPress kind of space because that's where I made most of my money so far. Yeah. And also I get comments even from family members, you know, like, why the hell are you spending time playing Paddle when you could be programming and doing plugins, you know, that's what's making you money. Why, why not build more and more plugins, you know? And it's hard. On the one hand, I kind of know that I could do it if I was forced to build plugins, I could build more plugins, but I just don't have the same passion anymore. I, I always want to win at something and... In some way, I, I feel like I've won in WordPress, you know? I've reached yeah. the level where I'm happy. And now I'm a total beginner in, in Paddle and in crypto. And those, they kind of, they attract me so much to win at this game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I do feel the guilt of like, and sometimes it prevents me from pursuing my dream to the max, you know? I'm a bit hesitant. And perhaps it ties into what you said earlier about going in a bit later knowing about uh, something that's going to explode, but you're hesitant and a year or two pass and now you're already trying to catch the curve now that it's obvious that it's going to be big, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I've, I've had, um, you know, as far as your family saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Mm. I've had friends and family, you know, partners and things like that say things like that to me. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you know, not against anyone who's ever given me advice like that, but most of the time it's wrong because a lot of the advice they give you, a lot of it's negative. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because they're scared. And a lot of the time it's their fears they're trying to project onto you. Mm -hmm. I've never made money by loving scared and working scared and going after the sure thing. I've done it going after something I'm passionate about. And people saying, well, why don't you just do lots and lots of freelance writing and you'll make lots of money? I'm yeah. like, because yeah, I'm not happy. Thing. Yeah, I'm not happy. How many people online talk about making money, making money? We're targeting the wrong goal. The target should be lifestyle. It should be happiness without mm -hmm. being too, you know, John Lennon and Yoko Ono here. But I could be a millionaire. But if I'm working every single day on something that I don't like, that I'm bored of, I'm not going to be happy. And one of the things about working online that always attracted me was being creative yeah. and doing what I want and doing something that I like. I do think, you know, once you've done thing for, you know, doing something for years, it's just repetitiveness. You know, it's just, it's like sticking a job that you don't like. Yeah. I think this is something that everyone who works online faces at one point. They do kind of get a little bit bored about whatever they, they're doing. And even like you're saying with your plugin business, I don't know how you manage it now, but I know from my experience, 
at the beginning, you're, you're designing the website, you're planning out all the articles and all this, and, and you're marketing it and you're developing it and it's interesting. Fast forward a few years, well, you're just managing it, you're just maintaining it. It's just something you have to do. And you lose that passion and the interest that made you create it in the first place. Yeah. I kind of see that uh, like new projects tend to need a runway of two, three years, you know? I think that's the hardest part for anyone going into something new, say you with uh, YouTube videos, you know? Yeah. I'm sure when you started, you felt maybe you're late, maybe it's not something that you're good at, who knows? And uh, maybe you're not getting enough visitors. So how do you go through that period where there's uh, a lull, you know, there, you're not getting money from it. You're working a lot of hours just to produce the content. Yeah. How do you face that versus just writing content for money, you know, which is something you're good at? Well, this is the thing because, you know, I, I'm not making a lot of money from YouTube and it'll surprise you. There's people that have they've got huge channels, huge followings, and they don't make a lot of money. In fact, when you look at all the equipment they're buying, mm. You know, this mic alone was like £350 in the UK. Yeah. It's not a cheap microphone. Um, and when you look at the money you're making with the equipment that you need to buy, a lot of channels are running at a loss. But for me, YouTube is more, well, at the moment, it's a passionate thing. I would like to turn it into money eventually. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things. It's hard to get there. I don't think I'm even good at YouTube, if that makes sense. You know, as far as editing goes, I do very basic edits mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that. But there's also a lot of YouTubers where they don't have the best cameras or they don't have the best editing, but they're a success because the content is good. And long term, that's where I'd like to see. Perhaps it wouldn't be the most polished YouTube videos I'm producing, but have you dabbled in YouTube yourself, haven't you? You've done a few videos. No, I just upload my paddle matches at the moment, but <laughs> All right, <okay. laughs> I wouldn't call it uh, publishing, although I publish a lot. <laughs> so, it, but, uh, but is there a big audience for that? No, no, it's just me uploading my puzzle matches for fun, just for sharing it with my friends and other players who end up playing with me. Right. But uh, eventually I'd like to do something like in English at the same time, you know, about puzzle in English. But right now I'm, I don't have the knowledge to do it. So, Not to put you in the spot here, but what about something like Mastermind? This would seem like the perfect project to do online as far as recording it for a podcast, but also publishing it. Mm. You, you look at, obviously, an obvious example would be Joe Rogan, you know, what he's doing, yeah. interviewing guests and things like that. I've been doing this a little bit with my other YouTube channel that you kind of touched upon earlier. I've got two YouTube channels. I've got one that focuses on technologies. So mm -hmm. it's about cameras, microphones, games, and things like that, phones. But the other one's about cryptocurrency. And on my cryptocurrency YouTube channel, I've been doing a lot of interviews, just like me and you talking just now. And I do find that that's actually the content that a lot of people want. They want to hear, you know, from other people, which makes sense because if you've got a YouTube channel, it's always your opinion, your view, and, you know, mm -hmm. you're saying this is yeah. what I think. And then you bring a guest on and it's a whole other, you know, they've got different ideas, different viewpoints on everything. And all of a sudden your view on things being challenged and it makes it an interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in my case, at least, unless there's something visual that I need to see, I'd rather listen to an interview while I'm out, you know, walking around, for example, or training or... Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of podcast format works better 
just in terms of audio. Yeah. I think it doesn't hurt to have a video version on YouTube. Yeah. Because people sometimes just use YouTube just because it's the easiest way to consume stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure that, I'm not convinced that the video element is that important in that case. It might depend on the industry as well, what, what you're talking mm. about as well. If you're showing yeah, charts like screenshots and, crypto, and things, example, yeah, news and yeah. things of that as well. But again, it's one of those things, you know, it to actually, you know, from your point of view, maybe I'm doing it wrong because perhaps a lot of the content I'm doing, maybe I could be uploading it as a podcast. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a whole audience that I'm not actually, you know, being exposed to because of that. So you're not doing podcasts? No, no, not at the moment, no. Mm. I tried one a few years ago. Years ago, I tried a few episodes. I think it was, I was in South America at the time and I did, I think I did two or three episodes. But yeah, I just, I kind of drifted away and didn't do it. You know, I was working on different projects at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing something, I think the crypto one would be a very good candidate uh, for a podcast, especially if it's something that will take you very little time because you're just using the same content. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect there's something out there that could even automate that as far as it downloads the audio from the, the stream and then just uploads it. Mm -hmm. As far as editing goes, audio should, in theory, be a little bit easier than video. Yeah. As far as what you're working with. Yeah, maybe I should check it out. I mean, I don't know if this is something that even YouTube could offer in the future as far as making a playlist or something. They are kind of going down that direction. They've got mm -hmm. YouTube Music now, and they've got yeah. like a dedicated music app. And they've got like offline downloads if you pay for the monthly fee. But again, it goes back to what I was saying. It's sometimes hard to know you know, which, which road to get down and which service to support. There's so many of these social media platforms. You've got all the kids on either Snapchat or Instagram, but people on Facebook. I personally hate Facebook, but I still get drawn back every yeah. now and then because I've got a Facebook page. I never update it other than auto post, which mm -hmm. I think is ending soon. And I think the API is closing oh, okay. for that soon, but I still get people messaging me there for whatever reason. I just don't like the platform. And it, you know, I, I'm mainly on Twitter and even on that, I'm, I try not to spend too much time on it. And it's just hard because there's so many different things. It's like what you're saying right now as it's a fantastic idea. Why don't I just upload the content that's already there and put it onto, you know, audio format and put it onto a podcast. And then I think, well, how long is that going to take me? I could produce another video in that time. I could just upload it. And then there's only so many hours in a day and you kind of have to pick your battles. Yeah, I think that before it's, it was just a case of publishing great content and Google does the rest. Now it's all about building your audience, wowing your audience, making them trust you, and then you can sell or produce content, which is a bit of a shame because I write a lot of stuff about investing, for example, and the majority of people who end up reading and following the affiliate links or whatever are people who are friends of mine on Facebook who see the auto-post, <laughs> right. the post that goes off automatically. Yeah. But on Google, it's hard for people to come across my post for some reason. So I, I need to have that profile, you know. That's perhaps back down to what we were saying before with regards to saturation and just the sheer competition in the market. Mm. You know, it's if you go back years when Google changed up the things, with, you know, the different thing with content, there was a turning point because before people were spinning articles and they were getting traffic. But then when they changed it and they had to make it good quality content, you had all these content websites spring up overnight. 
well, overnight, like a year or so. And just the, the sheer volume of content coming out here. But again, with social media, the amount of content that people are actually reading now, if you, if you, even if you've just got one social media account, Facebook or Twitter, how many news stories and how many articles are you exposed to on a daily basis? Mm. And half the time, it's not even content you want to read. Yeah. It's content someone has not even said, check this out. They just retweet or they reshare. And, you know, how can you compete when someone's brain is full of all these posts, Instagram posts, funny pictures from Reddit, yeah. and you're, you're there saying, hey, check out my article. I spent a lot of time producing <laughs> it, you know. It's really hard to compete for people's attention now. Mm, but true. this is where perhaps YouTube or podcasts come in where mm -hmm. someone, yeah. you know, they don't have to think too much. Yeah, yeah. And I think like YouTube videos or podcasts, people are already in the mood. They kind of allocated the time to spend half an hour listening to you while they're doing the dishes, for example. Yeah. So there's not this flipping or scrolling through posts which is insane to get their attention, you know? It's impossible. I guess we're all a little bit of a hypocrite about this because if I'm looking for a review of something, I, I look at a review and I look at every aspect of it and I want to you know, read every part of it to find mm -hmm. out about a new phone or whatever, the pros and the cons. Yeah. But for a lot of subjects, I just want to skim to the point that I need, find it out and then leave and just click the back button. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I've actually had complaints about that in the past years ago. Like, I can't believe this was 5,000 words. Why didn't you do the article in 150 words? And you're like, like <laughs> what, what do you want me to do here? But, you know, again, it comes down to, you know, short attention spans. People want the information. They want it quickly. Their time is limited. And again, maybe that's where YouTube and podcasts and things like that come in. Mm. So let's talk about your experience with YouTube because I've seen that, like, so after WordPress, you kind of started your own KevinMaldoon.com blog. Yep. Uh, right about the same time that I started my own blog as well. And uh, you started talking about different things, I would say. Is that fair to say that you handle many topics on your blog, different topics? Well, I actually registered that domain 2002, I think. And I mm -hmm. think I launched the blog 2006 or seven or something. But the thing is, when I had the blog initially, I basically used the blog initially almost like Facebook. Like I was saying, hey, I bought a new laptop. There's a picture of my laptop. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it was just kind of yeah, small posts like that. When I sold the other blogs, all of a sudden, you know, when I sold WP Mods, you know, I didn't have a platform to talk about website development, about WordPress, about making money online. And yeah, it kind of transferred from blogging tips to WP Mods. And then all of a sudden, all that content went to my blog. So when I sold that in 2012, that's when all the content started going to my blog. I think most of my posts still focus on WordPress, website development, things like that, and product reviews. But I do every now and then talk about technology or cryptocurrency or something else. To be honest, this year, I haven't updated it as much as I have in previous years. This is probably the quietest year, mm -hmm. simply because I'm publishing more content on YouTube. And it's something I'm always fighting of because... I, you know, I don't know if you feel this way. It's almost like you feel guilty when you're not updating your blog because you want to update it. You want to connect with people. But if I've got two hours, what do I do? Do I publish it to a blog that doesn't get as much traffic as it used to or do I publish it to YouTube where I can find a larger audience? Mm. And for a short while, sorry, I was 
publishing a video and then embedding it onto my blog. But yeah. then I found out even that was taking time because YouTube doesn't give you a quick way of doing that. You have to then do the, the thumbnail and add a description for SEO and all this. And then like, you know, it's kind of pointless. But I don't know. You kind of feel that guilt if you're not updating it. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds silly, mm. but... Well, right now I don't because I'm writing a lot on my blog, but I know what you mean, yeah. The thing with me is that I don't even consider YouTube right now, especially for the type of content I'm writing about. But yeah, I kind of treat my blog as an incubator of sorts. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested in lots of stuff. So whenever I feel like I'm not decided about what I should dedicate the next few years to, I just go to my blog and start writing. And I, I air writing about different stuff. Yeah. And then just see which categories I've been writing into. And if you see my blog, it's totally all over the place. You know, there's product, <laughs> yeah. there's sports, investment, uh, technology. That's something that I think every blogger has struggled with because one of the things I always used to enjoy about my blog before I you know, started talking about business was the fact that I could write about anything. Anything that popped into my brain, mm. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to share it with the world. But then when you start focusing on more, well, I want to write articles that will make money or, you know, you start thinking from a, a creative perspective, from a blogging perspective, when you start worrying about, well, what, will this rank well in the search engines? Will I make money from it? Will it attract advertisers? All of a sudden, it feels like work rather than an outlet for, you know, for you to share what you're thinking. And I guess I've been guilty of that on my blog where I've thought more about, will this rank, will it bring me traffic rather than, hey, this interests me, I'm going to write about it. And from a writing perspective, you always enjoy the articles which are more personal and more reflective than, you know, here's 10 of the latest plugins or here's, you know, those kind of posts are, they become a little bit boring to write. But from a traffic uh, generation point of view, I know from a blogger's point of view, because I've written countless articles on this, but if you're looking for an audience, it is better if you write about one topic and write about one topic a lot. So by you writing on a multi, you know, many different subjects, it's more enjoyable for you, but it is a little bit harder to find that audience. It's yeah. kind of catch-22 in many ways, you know? What I was referring to earlier and something that I like about you is that you kind of do what you love first and then whatever happens, happens. Or at least that's my impression because that's something I do a lot myself as well. Like I'm doing paddle and even two, three years there are business opportunities, then so be it. If not, I've done something that gave me a lot of satisfaction. And that's why I write about stuff that interests me. I don't even bother with WordPress SEO plugins or anything. Just write, publish, that's it. Yeah. You know, no, it's interesting you noticed that because I think, which one was it? In Vienna? And obviously we were going to those WordPress conferences as essentially as WordPress bloggers, mm -hmm. we were t you know, and on paper, I always thought I'll connect with uh, theme developers, plugin developers, yeah. they'll give us, you know, a lot of contacts, we'll perhaps find, maybe I'd find some freelancing work or maybe I would do some work with people, different projects. But to be honest, it never really worked out that way. One of the problems I had at the time, I think one of the last discussions I had when I was at one of these conferences and people kept asking me about my blog and I was like, listen, I'm not even focusing on it anymore. I'm going to just do YouTube. And I think I said at the time, I probably won't make any money from this for a few years, but yeah. I wasn't disillusioned. But again, 
I had came to the realization that from a blogging point of view, both from my own blog, but also from freelancing from others, the writing was on the wall as to how much money I could make. And I think I was one of the first people to do freelance writing for WordPress uh, for the larger blogs. Mm-hmm. I was the first major writer for Elegant Themes. And I, yeah. you know, I kind of got that, well, helped get it established as a major blog. The reason I hadn't wrote before is because I had my own blog. But once I sold WP Moz, I had a lot of free time and I got the offer in and I, I took the money in. Fast forward a few years though, and you know, I was charging, I think I still do charge this like 25 cents per word. All the blogs that used to pay me that, and like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. All of a sudden they're like, oh no, it's a little bit out of a budget. And basically what had happened was fast forward a few years. All these other writers come out, many of them are good writers, and they started dropping the rates. They're like, no, no, I'll do it for 10 cents. I'll do it for this. Yeah. And it was a race to the bottom. And all of a sudden, people were wanting to do the same work you were doing before for a third or half the price. And when you said no, they just went with someone else because there were so many other people who would walk through the door and do that. Mm-hmm. And that's again when I was like, yeah, I'm too late to this. I need to get out. <laughs> I need to go a different path. Because I don't want to do twice as much work for half as much money. Yeah. And that's when I thought with YouTube, you know what, enjoy it. I'm not making any money from it. But long term, maybe something will happen. I don't know what, but maybe something will happen. Yeah. You still have to pay the bills though. You know, you still have to pay the bills and you still want to make money. But I do think long term, if you can find something you're passionate about, in theory anyway, you should make more money. Yeah, I just want to touch on the point of the rates for any other freelance writers listening. Speaking from the other side, from an owner of a blog, the main problem with the rates is that a few years back, I could say, give you an article and know that it will rank and bring in the money. No problem. So I could afford paying the 25 cents, knowing that over the course of a year, the affiliate commissions would more than make up for it. Nowadays, it's more like write 50 articles. Let's see what, yep. what sticks, you know? So it's more about volume because I just don't know if they will be successful yep. or not, even if you're a great writer, even if I write myself. it's Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point. And not just that, even if you had a blog which sold themes or plugins or other products, there's so many other plugins mm-hmm. and themes out there that the actual, you know, it's harder to make money from that. No, I, I mean, I do understand the other side. I do I do understand the other side of that as well. I think, though, it is more about volume than it is about quality. Um, I had a discussion about this with someone about two years ago, and they said, well, this person's charging that amount, and like, how can you justify that amount? I was like, well, you're asking me to do a list of 20 plugins. I don't just copy the, the image and the description from a plugin page. I test every single one. The fact that my articles are pointing out errors and, and that other person didn't point it out shows you that they're not testing it. Yeah. They're rushing through their articles. But that's me maybe taking pride in a job that I shouldn't be taking pride in because yeah. most other reviews don't focus on that. And it's irrelevant almost because... That's exactly the point because Google will not know that. <laughs> that's yeah. what I found myself. I, I love doing reviews of plugins myself, you know? It came to a point where people writing top 10 and just copy-pasting descriptions were ranking better than me. So, Yeah. <laughs> I found that out with WP Mods and all the all the statistics backed it up. We are, I would write a, a personal kind of piece about what was happening in the WordPress industry. Take me a day or two mm. to write thousands of words. No one reads it. Or I do another one where I do a tutorial. I write all this code. I'm like, you should change the code to this. 
That's you know the official example says this, but you should do this because of errors. Took a long time to produce, and then I do all right. I'm rushed today. I'll do a ten five plugins to write. You know five plugins to do X Y Z, and it ranks better. It generates ten times as much traffic. It generates more money, mm-hmm. and you're like, so what do you do? Do you do the articles which you think are better for the reader, or do you just follow the herd? And you kind of have to go where where the traffic is. You know. Yeah. I think this is everything that, you know, the kind of thing that every content creator gets frustrated with. It's one of those things. I think, again, I've been slow to react to a lot of these changes in the industry Mm. as far as content and that goes. But I think everyone has as well. I don't think too many people have been ahead of the curve when it comes to content. Really, if you want to be ahead in content, you need to hire people. You need to pay them third world slave labor prices and you need to pump out 40 articles per day <laughs> really that's the only it surprises you you know some of the, the best blogs or i say the best blogs the highest traffic blogs in the world it will surprise you how little the writers are being paid mm-hmm. in the uk there's actual like all the tabloids the daily mail is an example one of the worst newspapers and websites <laughs> out there but also one of the most profitable and you know highest traffic ones and you know the, the many times i've been linked to that website and you know, the image and underneath it, it says insert caption here because they've not even updated the caption. And then, you know, the spelling mistakes. And they're not even proofreading the articles because they've got so little time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're reading the articles and you're like, was this written by a five-year-old? Like, how is this getting thousands of shares? But it's the nature of it. You know, it's just it's the way things are. Yeah. And you can fight against it all you want, but you need to accept it and move on. Mm. So, Kevin, I think we've touched upon a lot of different topics and it was all the time I was hoping for. I think if you agree, we can have you on for another episode where we talk about some of the specific things that you're working on at the moment, like the crypto mining project, which I'm very interested in. And to wrap up this episode, I would like you to share kind of based on what we were talking about, what's your strategy for Paying the bills while continuing to do the things that you love, you know, and doing stuff that might be risky from a income perspective, but still have enough to go and purchase the stuff you need, obviously. I guess I'm in a lucky position right now. Well, depending on your perspective, I'm not married. I don't have kids and anything like that right now. So I don't have many large outgoing expenses. I don't spend a lot of money either. You know, I'm not going, I'm not an extravagant person. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to make sacrifices to get to where I want to be. So I guess I'm quite lucky. I'm still making you know, a little bit of money from older affiliate programs, from my websites, from a little bit of money. I'm making a little bit of money from YouTube. Maybe about, I don't know, not too much, 500 or so dollars a month from YouTube. It's not a huge amount. I do think with YouTube, growth is exponential. So mm-hmm. you know, in the next year, that could be $1,000 or whatever, or more than that. But yeah, my strategy right now is... You know, I'm, all the money that I do have, I tend to invest in either recording equipment or in cryptocurrency. So I'm betting a lot of, you know, betting a lot of things on my future. And I guess you could call it investing in yourself if you're being cheesy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as actual paying things, you know, I do have to pay bills and things like that. Once I've made enough to pay all those bills, and I, I do take the odd freelancing job if I think I need the money for it, but once I have did that, I just use my time to try and produce videos for YouTube and things like that. Mm. Yeah, it's something I'd like to talk about in a, in a future podcast with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's very interesting for people who are listening to know like how to actually pursue the things you love while still making money. I think it's something that's very interesting. And kind of, I don't know if that's true for you, but is it the case that perhaps in earlier years you are following a strategy where you are building something, selling it off, and then having the runway to pursue your next new project? Yeah, I did do that a few times. Sometimes I made mistakes with that. You know, I decided to sell a website before having the next project in line. Okay. And with WP Mods, one of the main reasons I sold it at the time, I think I sold that one for Mm $80,000 at the time, mainly because I was traveling South America and I wanted to free my mind up. And by all accounts, I didn't want to worry about emails every day. I didn't want, I could have paid someone to maintain the website, but I just wanted to get a clean slate Mm -hmm. and do something different. So I didn't do too much work over that year. I published a book right enough, but I didn't do too much work. Um, but yeah, in the past, what I would do is if I sold something, I would use it and then tide me over until the next thing yeah. takes up. But one of the things that I've said a few times on my YouTube channel, because a lot of people have asked me in my cryptocurrency YouTube channel, say like, how are you making money? Because in the cryptocurrency world, there's a lot of people and they call them shells. Where yeah. It was the same in the blogging world. You've seen it. I mean, we can name a lot of names, John Chow, all these kind of guys mm-hmm. in, the, in the blogging world, which, well, you know, they will sell you a terrible product, Ponzi scheme, pyramid schemes, all these type of things, if it makes them money. I've been trying not to do that. I, I don't accept payment for things like that. And basically, I'm just trying to do good content. But people keep asking, you know, how are you going to make money from it? And I'm like, I'm not trying to make money from my YouTube channel right now. I'm trying to make connections. Mm. Long term in the cryptocurrency world, I might make some money from crypto mining and all that, but long-term, what I'm trying to do is make good connections in the industry. People two years down the line, three years down the line could be very important people. I'm basically establishing a presence online where I can connect myself with a lot of important people in the industry and talk to them on a regular basis. And in the cryptocurrency world, information is you know, the main driver behind who makes money and who doesn't. And that's the way that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at this as a platform to... I don't know what doors it's going to open, but I know that if I focus on money in the short term, it's going to affect me negatively. Whereas if I just focus on growth and just focus on publishing good content, getting viewers and you know building a presence there, I don't know what's going to happen down the line. I'm actually part of a team right now in cryptocurrency. Um, I could speak about that in another mm-hmm. video, but as far as the doors that will open, I think it's my profile. I'm building up my own reputation and things like that. And I think long term, that's going to make me more money than in the short term saying, hey, I'll promote your coin for $100 or $500 or whatever. Yeah. Time will tell <laughs> if that's the right strategy or not, but that's the road I'm trying to go down. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the connections aspect because I kind of follow, as we've been mentioning, a similar strategy. I haven't actually sold any of my projects. My strategy is more of holding on to and of the project, but passing it on to someone else. It's very tricky because you have to find people who more or less think the same way as you or think in a better way than you. So that's tricky. But if it's successful, you just have to be able to let go of things, which is not that easy. But it's also another strategy that has allowed me to focus on things like paddle and spending time to learn about investing and actually investing uh, while kind of neglecting the WordPress part because I know it's in the safe hands of my team. So that's another strategy. But for sure, what I think would be the key 
my success so far with any project I've been involved in is the connections. So I think I do spend a lot of time consciously building connections through my content, through meetups, through conferences, through chatting with people. The podcast is an example of that kind of exercise. And uh, in the end, it's about making yourself known to people. And if you have something to contribute, people will offer you opportunities or you might find synergies with other people. And that's where the biggest uh, opportunities come about in my experience. Yeah, I do think that way as well. I mean, we met at a conference. It was actually, I think it was you approached me and then we went out for dinner. Mm-hmm. And then every year we caught up. And this is the thing, you know, you develop a friendship. You don't know how that will, not that you look at these, you know, when I met you, I don't think, yeah. how can I get the most out of John? How can I get the most out of You don't care, you know, it's just, you're just, you know, uh, being yourself. But you don't know where these doors will open down the line. You know, you could go down a road in the business world that is completely unrelated to what I do. And then you think of me for something or I could go down, you know, if I'm involved in cryptocurrency and I think, well, John would be perfect for that role. Yeah. You don't know, you know, how these things are going to work. But I think you open up a lot of doors with these kind of things when you raise your profile and when you make a lot of connections in the industry. And, you know, when you're doing emails in the background and you say, OK, I'll do this. You know, yeah, you'll make money just now. But long term, where do you want to be? Uh, and I've got an idea of where I want to be. And what you were to kind of go back to what you were saying there, as far as letting go. Again, to criticize myself, this is something that you know that you, you touched upon the martial arts forums that I've got. I should have handed those over to someone years ago and said, "Listen, you run it, mm-hmm. you maintain it, you take eighty percent of the profits." But I didn't. I just left them, and they take over in a, a small way, but they're. It's something I, I need to cut the noose and sell them or do something with them. But you're right, from a management point of view, it's something I should have done years ago. I should have trusted some someone to take care of it. And this is something I've always battled with as far as, the, you know, the one one man person, you know, the one man gang versus, yeah. you know, hiring people or working with people to get the right thing. And you do need to trust people and just let them do what they're good at. Mm-hmm. But... It's one of those things. I, th- I think so. It is hard to see your own mistakes until years later, and then you reflect bad back on them. But what I guess is also um, maybe hard to see at the time is that through all these mistakes, you are learning. Yeah. And you are mm-hmm. learning. And there's a, you know, I'm quite open about the fact that there's lots of things I don't know about, but I'm very open about the fact that I've made lots of mistakes. But I think I've gained a lot of experience through those mistakes and taking risks. Let's hope the next risk pays off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just reminded myself of uh, a mistake that people do at WordCamps. I think this can be helpful to some people listening. So many times I get people who just walk up to me and they have some plugin or team, you know, and they just want to inquire about some services that we offer on WPMare or just want to let me know about it. They just walk up, offer the business card, and it is what we do, blah, 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 and just walk away. And to me, that always feels a bit uh, sad, you know, because like, yeah, what a missed opportunity, you know? It's impersonal as well. Yeah. And uh, I think based on my nature, because of the way I was brought up and perhaps because of Malta, we also like to talk personal directly. You know, I know that some cultures don't go to the personal pace of things 
that easily. But I kind of like to, I meet you at a conference. I'm not going to ask you about WordPress. You know, I'm just going to get to know you about Scotland, about what you like to do and go out to dinner. And then perhaps the next day, start talking about business, maybe. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, though. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that, and it becomes a little bit more too official yeah. and less personal, but they don't realize that's how things are done. You know, you're more likely to help someone that you've got a personal relationship with than someone you don't know who just gives you a business card. So, so more stressful because, like, word camps are for me the biggest holiday of the year because I just go, yeah, yeah, talk to people, drink, and have good food, have a great time. And then it gives me contacts that keep generating opportunities during the rest of the year. But very little happens at WordCamp itself. WordCamp is just where I have a good time and build connections. But not, I'm not actually thinking of which connections I'm going to build. I'm just meeting people randomly and having a good time. So. It's, it's funny you say that. There was, um, I didn't go to this year's WordCamp Europe. Mm -hmm. um, but the previous year, I was, I was at the one in Paris. And I remember there was, I think it was in the second hall, and there was like one of those, I don't know if it was a blogger meetup or if it was like, it was one of those ones they tried yeah, to meet yeah, people yeah. up. And there was a young girl who started talking, well, I say young, I, I, like mid-twenties mid or something. And, and she started telling me about her business. I'm like, oh, okay. And and she, she told me about this company, like 15 minutes talking about this company. It's amazing what we're trying to do. It's a plug-in and all that. She told me her name. She told me everything about the company. And then I say, so how long have you been running this? She's like, no, no, I'm just, you know, I got hired three months ago. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right okay but the interesting thing with that is she didn't even ask what my name was and she didn't ask what i did and i mean i could have been like hey i've been working 19 20 years whatever online and she just you know three months for the company and she was just she basically i, th I think she's been told by her boss to make yeah, connections yeah, yeah. and she just went on the marketing spiel and started talking it's funny because this exact same thing happened to me at the blogger meetup this year well just someone gave you the whole yeah. Yeah. This is the, yeah. <laughs> Usually it's an employee, not the founder. Yeah. To be yeah. fair. But it's because they send them like, your job is to promote us during this uh, event, you know? But it's just not the way, you know, especially in WordPress where it's so, so much of a familiar atmosphere where people love to get to know each other. It feels weird, you know, to just, uh, and kind of, I don't want to just say this because of my ego, but going there and just telling me about your company without even knowing or taking an interest about what WP Mayer is and it's standing yeah. within the WordPress community is just stupid. You know, it's not the way to make a connection. I think as well as what I found in these conferences is, is that most of the successful people, quite a lot of them, they don't even talk about their own projects. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people who are millionaires and they walk about and you just think, yeah, you don't know what they're doing. And then there's other people that are like flashing, you know, being quite flashy and they're just employed by a company, mm -hmm. which is fine. But it's almost, you know, just going on, just talking about yourself and not asking about the other person. And just, I guess it's just manners as well. Yeah. Being a little bit rude. But I think, you know, the experience with going to WordPress conferences, I do plan on going to CryptoCurrency conferences in the future, again, for connections. But when I talk to someone I'm not going to go up with my business card and then try and force, this is what I do. How can you help me? Mm. I'm just going to try and meet people and then see what happens. Try and make some friends, try and meet people and see what they're doing and take it from there.
Yeah, with crypto, to be fair, because I've got some experience with crypto conferences, and I had mentioned this a while back to you. It's different, though. It's not not so easy to make uh, friends. Everybody's hyper focused on the project and the hype, you know, in crypto. Yeah, it's so it's different. But still, uh, you should always try to focus on the other person and building a relationship. What's also true at crypto is that you're usually not talking to the founders; you're talking to the yeah person. I mean, so I, I, I think I would get it even more though, because if, if they know I've got a YouTube channel, like, oh, talk to that guy, he can promote you for free of charge, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> Just talk to me about football or, you know, basketball or something. Talk to me about news. Yeah, I'll see what happens though. I've, I've not been yet, yeah. so. All right. So Kevin, where can people reach out to you? What are your main channels for People who want to get to know you. <laughs> I think, well, the probably easiest way is my website, kevinmuldoon.com. I mean, as I said, I've not been updating it as much, but it's where you'll find my Twitter account. My YouTube channels are linked down the side and all that as well. So that's probably the easiest way to, you know, find out where I am. But you want to follow me at WordPress, follow my blog. If you want to follow me, like technology, follow my tech YouTube channel and my other cryptocurrency YouTube channel is linked there as well. Just search me online, you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> All right. And you can find me at Jean Galea on Twitter or at my blog, which I've been mentioning throughout this podcast, jeangalea.com. And that's it for today. Kevin, I look forward to having you on one of our next shows. Until then, have a good time. Thanks, John. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.